Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Come on, change the atmosphere with a praise. Clap those hands. On Facebook, come on, clap those hands. You too. Give him praise. Come on, internet audience, give him praise. Facebook Live, give him praise. Truthreveal.org, give him praise. Trim Nation, give him glory. Amen. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord our God and maker. There are five books in the book called Psalm. It's divided into five different books. Book four contains Psalm from Psalm 93 to Psalm 100. That will be within the framework of book four. And then book five will consist of Psalm 101 to Psalm 150. It's good to study the word. So we don't call we don't call chapters, we don't call psalms chapters. We call them divisions within a book. And for those that preach the gospel, it's good to know that when you stand before people. Because those that do know will say they don't know. They're not really students of the word. And I don't want you to have to deal with that when you stand before people. So I want you to be equipped. I want you to be equipped. So the fourth book of psalms. And the 95th division of Psalm. Remember, the fourth book, book consists of Psalm 93 to Psalm 100. And it is the psalm here. It is a call to praise the Lord, but also to worship and to hear God's voice. In other words, worship draws you closer to the Lord so you can then hear him talk to you. No one has to shout when they worship. It can be very intimate. You can tone it down. You can tone it down and relax and communicate directly to God because the key of worship is to hear his voice. Sometimes when we are uh, rude in our praise, we violate the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. Come on, God. Come on, God. Especially when, come on, God. Come on, God, like that. You don't have to do that when you're intimate. Just like if you're with Your spouse, you don't have to yell at them when you're intimate. You don't have to be like that. Nobody clothing in their right mind would do that. And so what we want to do is start calming down, start relaxing when we worship him. Because the key to worship is to get him so close that you can hear his voice. Worshiping God is the ultimate act of adoration. I say again, worshiping God is the ultimate act of spiritual adoration. Daily we worship, daily we praise our God. Today, contemporary Christian music has morphed into a vague encounter with God. Everybody wants to get on Sunday's best. Everybody wants to get their CD to go around the world. Everybody wants to entertain But for the local church, what we're trying to do is talk or 
worship God, to become intimate with him so he can speak to us. I would encourage all of you who come late to church, you're missing out on one of the greatest encounters, the ultimate act of adoration. No one should be late for the worship segment. The church should be filled when it's time to worship our God. And we don't want our Christian music to morph into a vague encounter with God. And we don't need to be rudely, rudely praising God. Especially when it's time to slow it down and worship him in spirit and in truth. We must shift our course here. Over 15 years ago, I spoke to our praise here at the church and I prophesied that the bombastic praise, the curly cue is coming to an end. That the best singers in the world are not going to be the best worshipers in the world. Because the simplistic, the simplistic expression to God is where God's anointing is moving. Well, a lot of people don't want to hear that because we've been trained as kids to just give him your best and hit him with your best shot and get it loud and, and you're, you're proud and you're, you're, you're a praise leader. And so you got to give it your best. But the ultimate goal is when prophets see that, they prophesy you're going to do CD. It's going to go around the world. You're going to be rich. And so the driving vision for them is to be wealthy and to go to a pancake house and eat all pancakes and to get large and in charge because that's the symbol of prosperity. It has nothing to do with blessing the Lord at all times and your praise or his praise fill in your mouth. So we must shift here. We must shift course. Some of us are 15 years behind time. But when Ron Canoli back in the 19, uh, the, um, the 1990s, 1980s, late 80s and the 1990s, Ron Canoli came out with Praise the Lord. Some of you should go back and listen to that music. Everything was shifting then. And for many of us, we didn't see the shift. And so a lot of times in the African-American community, we have a lot of talented singers and a lot of great musicians. But what we want to do now is realize the anointing doesn't, it doesn't need that even though I would like to see perfection in our worship and our praise, and I like the best like we are striving to do. But just understand, nobody can play music like Lucifer. The Bible describes him in Ezekiel 14 and also Isaiah 28 as the creature that had pipes out of him. He's created to give off to release music. He was the worship leader in heaven, and God wasn't impressed with him. Jesus said, I saw him fall as lightning when he lifted up his heart and said, I will exalt my throne. I will be like the most high. I will exalt my throne above the clouds. I will be like the most high. And some of us need to watch that even in your pew or in your personal time. Learn how to worship God with the intent of hearing his voice. So we must reset our praise and our worship in our personal lives and within the framework of our expression as a local body of believers. I'll say it again. We must reset our praise and our worship in our personal lives 
Reset your praise and worship in your personal lives and within the framework of our expression as a local body of believers. Thank you, Lord. Please, this is a warning, do not become numb to worship in any way. That when worship is going on, you still in the four-year pressing palms and kissing babies. I would like to see another level of excitement in our congregants as we come back into the house. Don't get caught up with, I saw you or I haven't seen you in a year. When the worship is going on, I need you to press in. I'll talk to you after church. I didn't get here before service, but right now I'm setting myself to get into the praise and then into the worship so I can hear his voice. I need to prepare my spirit for the word that's being preached. So don't become numb to worship in any way. No longer elevating praise and worship as an experience with God. When you become numb to worship, you no longer elevate praise and worship as an experience with God. And we cannot allow it to become another part of our church experience. Worship must be a God experience, an experience with God. An experience with God, not just a church experiment or church experience. And so I don't want it to become numb here. I believe I speak by the Spirit of God. Let me correct that. The Spirit of the Lord would say to his people, I don't want worship to become numb in the house of the Lord or routine or praise the Lord everybody and we say praise the Lord while we're looking around chewing gum we need to in tune be in tune with the experience in tune with approaching God glory hallelujah hallelujah and anytime God is to be praised in the Old Testament they would slay animals and they would they would bring the blood as they worship God you need to see that you're smeared in the blood of Jesus when you worship God. You are no longer standing there on your own. But you're standing on holy ground because it's been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And, and as you enter in, you want to enter in through the veil. That is to say his flesh. See yourself walking through the flesh of Jesus smeared with his blood. And then you stand. When you see the sacrifice that he made and you honored that in your praise. You then prepare yourself to elevate. To get into his presence. And I can see it out of Revelation chapter 4. I heard a sound of a trumpet. Glory to God. And a voice saying come up here. And I will show you things to come. We cannot let the glory of the Lord hit the floor. And our church nor the worship hit the floor. We must keep it elevated. I'm preaching to somebody today that's been casual with your praise or with your experience. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord and I'm asking you as a prophet to correct that and make sure you keep ev uh, elevated the worship and the experience with God elevated in your life. Thank you, Lord God. Casual Christians come into order. We must correct this. We must shift course. We must reset our praise. We must reset our worship. We must transmogrify ourselves while in the presence of God so God can do what he needs to do in our society, in our lives. 
in our relationships, in our churches, in our communities, in our world. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Even now, I see God stirring somebody's spirit to get back to the heart of worship. Because it's all about you. Not about how well you sing. Not the, the talented ones shouldn't be the only ones singing. I was talking to my sister about worship. She said, Bishop, I can't sing. I already know. But you know what? Squeak before the Lord. Squeak before the Lord. Let the sound come out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in tune. We don't have to be hurt by that. You want to give God your best praise. He loves it. When you give him your best praise from the fruit of your lips, drag it into the house of God. You need to drag your praise and your worship into the house of God. Come and see that the Lord is good. Testify of his goodness and let him be God in your life and God is God in your life when you can sing or not sing and he doesn't differentiate between who's the best singers and who's the worst singers he just says sing O Baron you haven't produced anything you don't have to be the best of the best but open up your mouth lock yourself up and release the glory thank you God thank you Lord I'm exerting some pressure up in here Thank you, God. I believe God is bringing us back to the heart of worship. So what is worship? What is worship? I think I shared with you that one of the reasons why the Psalm 95 was written, it is that we would worship God so we can hear his voice. And worship, God, worshiping God is the ultimate act of adoration and praise. So what is worship? Worship in both the original Greek and the Hebrew Conveys the idea, please write it down, this is what it conveys. Worship in the Hebrew and in the Greek, it also conveys the idea of prostrate oneself. To prostrate oneself. To prostrate means to lay it down. We saw it in the text up here in the 95th division of Psalm, book 4. For the Lord, verse 3, for the Lord is the great God. And the great king above all gods. Elevate him. He's above all gods. In his hand are the, depth, the deep places of the earth. The heights of his heel. So the psalmist is trying to give you reason to step out of yourself. And let the Holy Ghost touch your imagination. And see that the deep places are, of the earth are in his hands. So no matter how deep the ocean is. He's down there. The, his hand is at the bottom of that ocean. It's there for his glory. Even the heights of the hills are his. The highest mountain. When I was 20 years old, I climbed Mount Fuji in Japan. I did it twice. It is a high mountain. The air is very thin on Fuji. And it can be very uh, warm on the base, but there's snow on the top of it. Glory to God. I had a chance to be there. And it's also a volcanic ash mountain. In other words, there's a lot of black volcanic, volcanic ash there. And I had a chance to walk that. And I saw the marvelous works of the Lord as a young man from that mountain. Hallelujah. When I read the scripture here, my imagination goes back. My memories are kicked in because not only is he in the deep places of the earth, but the heights of the hills are also his. 
Glory to God. If you want to worship God in another level, travel a little bit, step out of uh, where you are and just look at how magnificent the world is that he made. The sea is his. Scripture says the sea is his. I've been on a few cruises, but I was also on a ship uh, moving from mainland Japan into uh, Korea. And uh, there was a typhoon there and I opened up the door because I was inquisitive as a man and the wind was blowing so hard. I believe I could have been blown out. I grabbed the door and held on until I was able to get back inside and slam the door. And I got on the inside breathing heavy. Whoo, my God, that was stupid. <laughs> How many of you know we did some stupid things when we were out there? Glory to God. But I'm glad that God saved my life. And when I don't have nothing else to give him praise for, even in my stupidity and my ignorance, wanting to see all of that stuff, it's amazing to me that he has a way of protecting us. I remember while I was out there, the lightning was flashing. And when I looked up, the sea was way above the ship in the distance. It's like, what is going on here? The sea was way over there, way up there. And the ship was here. I said, let me get back inside because if that water hit me right now, no one will find me. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Notice the Bible says the sea is, is his and he made it. But then his hands form even the dry place. And that gives me comfort that if I'm going through a dry place now, God formed it. And I need to find out who is the origin of my dry place and go to him. Because even in the dry place, he is the fountain of living waters. And what he wants us to do is start getting back to him. Remember, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Then the psalmist begins to move in verse 6. Oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. To lay prostrate. Even kneel before the Lord our God and maker. That's one of the things I like to see in our church. Is that when worship is going on, a few people drag themselves to the altar and prostrate themselves. Or take a knee right at your seat. If anybody looks at you weird, bring their name to me. I will rebuke them from the pulpit because this is a free zone for worshipers. Don't mess with the worshipers. Let me say it again. Don't ever mess with a worshiper. Don't ever uh, critique a worshiper. Don't ever do that. I think you disturb, you disturb God. I was in Haiti and these young people were in this school, this high school, and they were singing. They didn't have a Nintendo. They didn't have an Xbox. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't even have. Uh, they didn't have. Persprint. But they were singing. With a lot of fervor. And they were dancing. Like I've never seen before while worship was going on. I think we've been wooed from our prosperity into a place of nothingness as it relates to God. But because these kids had nothing to hold on to, all they had was a song. But they were giving God praise. And in my sanctimonious side, I had this thought. It don't take all of that. This one boy was moving and praising God in such a way he was, he was flipping his head like that. Almost like he was going to break his neck. And I remember it coming to my mind. Oh, it don't take all of that. My experience in Haiti shook me. When I got home, I fell in my 
uh, yard and put my knees on the ground and thanked them. But God wasn't through with Merton yet. One morning I was in my office and I was at home in my office and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and he said, dance for me. Dance for you. Ain't no music, no musician, ain't no don't 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 come on. Oh, we making it rock the day, church. None of that was in place, no music at all, and the Holy Ghost said to me, dance for me. I said, there's no music. This is what I'm saying inside. God, is that really you? You know, when God tells us to do something straight, we want to make sure it's God then. But tell somebody, they're a pastor. Tell them that you're going to change the world. First thing they want to do is run. I know what God said to me, but dance for me. What? We got to learn how to obey God no matter what it looks like. Suddenly the Holy Ghost brought back to memory that mocking in my mind of the young man that was giving God praise with complete abandonment. I'm talking about an undignified praise. There in my room, he broke me all the way down until I started dancing with no one there but me and God. And I danced until I cried. I danced until I felt the glory. I danced until I fell on my knees. I danced until I laid prostrate. And he chastened me. Glory to God. To never ever mock worship. And I'm doing the same. Hopefully he won't have to do that to you and bring you to the end of yourself. But it was a strong rebuke in my life. Don't you ever mock the worship. I want you to protect worship. And that's why, where the true worship is at? I'm right here, and I ain't going nowhere. Or where the true worship is at? And if you're a real worshiper, you can come back to the house of the Lord. Glory to God. We protect worship here by the Spirit of God. Don't mess with the worship. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So when we worship, it is to prostrate oneself. Now, there are some people who may be kneeling and even laying down, but they're standing up on the inside. Glory to God. It is when you lay down, let us worship and bow down on the inside, not just take the physical form, but inside of you. Get off of the throne of your own heart. Stop saying you all that in a bag of chips and a knee-high drink and a peanut butter cookie. Stop saying you've been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Come off the throne. Let Holy Ghost elevate in your life and let him show you how to worship. Glory to God. It means to bow down. To worship means to bow down. To fall face down. That's what it means in the Hebrew and the Greek. To pay homage. To fall down. Face down. And to pay respect. Glory to God. Even in the courtroom, we want to make sure that we fall on the mercy of the court. Some people like to plead their own case. And then some people like to buy attorneys. But I believe you need to fall on the mercy of the court. While worship can be done in public, usually it is a private matter. We come to the house of God to worship. As a collective group. But we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. In this respect worship is very 
different from praise. It is, in, it is a direct conversation or to have a direct conversation with your God. It's between you and God. Right here, right now, this is about me and my God. And that's what you need to say. You don't need nobody passing you notes. We don't nobody ever trying to get your attention. You don't need to be looking at ladies. You need to be lifting your hands in the air. You don't need to be looking at men. You need to lift your hands in the air. Amen. We want to get all of that out of us so we can give God the praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Bishop, why, why are you saying that? I'm a pastor. I know what I'm talking about. Worship is highly intimate and personal. Highly intimate and personal. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And for the cameramen, say, well, Bishop is sweating up there. They need to see me sweating. Don't worry about it. Give me the full body. I'm doing it. I'm praising God. I'm giving him the glory. Even now, as I preach, I feel virtue leaving me. Because somebody's worship is being stirred. Somebody's worship is being stirred. The spirit of worship is being stirred in your soul. Even now, the Lord's going to start dealing with your heart. He said, you know what? It's been a long time since I really gave God the glory. I brought him intellect, but I didn't give him prostrate. I didn't fall face down. I didn't humble myself. I didn't put my mind out and bring my heart in. And Luke chapter 17. Remember, bring your, take your mind out. Lose yourself in praise and you'll find yourself in worship. Lose yourself in praise. And then find yourself in worship. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Here's another passage. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. First of all, God is not supposed to be hanging out with Pharisees. To show you, God it will never be in a box. And if you're with him, don't let people put you in a box. Check boxes. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to dine. And behold, a woman in the city. Look at the word is clear here. Luke is very precise. She is a sinner. I thought sinners couldn't worship. Notice the word, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house. In other words, because he didn't go to the synagogues here, because glory came to a proud man, because glory came to a Pharisee who's not perfect. He doesn't fit in the framework of church because she saw him dine or spend time with the Pharisee. She said, this is my chance. Ooh, Jesus and brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil notice the church was too religious for her the the order of the church was too uh, stringent for her but when he came to the Pharisee's house and sat to dine he was comfortable there the Bible says she brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping she stood at his feet 
behind him weeping. She began to wash. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair at her head of her head. And she kissed his feet and broke the box with the fragrant oil. She anointed him with her fragrant oil. She put it on the feet of the Lord. Jesus was so moved. I don't have time to go into the depth of this. He says every time the gospel is preached. I want you to remember her. I want as long as you call my name. To call forth the woman. Who broke the alabaster box. And kissed my feet. And showed the Christian church. 21st century. What worship is all about. It's not just for those. Who are all holy. And it's not just for those. Who never done wrong. But it doesn't matter how soiled you are. It doesn't matter how weak you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been out of the presence. Once you see him dying, it is an indicator that it's time to worship. And you need to enter in, stand, and kneel, and lay prostrate, and give him your heart. Find yourself in worship after you lost yourself in praise. Glory to God. Everybody want to bring up what this woman did. Well, she could have been a night walker. She could have been this, that, or the other. It's not mentioned by Luke. What he says, she was a sinner. But she shows the world how to operate when you recognize who Jesus is. I don't know how any of us who have ever been out there, done this, done that, and come into the church and start looking our ecclesiastical nose down on others. We must bow down. If you don't, you'll start gaining pride. You'll start rising up in your own heart. You'll, you'll say, I'm the only one. Listen, we need to teach the next generation that it's not about you. It's all about God. How do you teach them that? By modeling it every single day. These passages here explain in the scripture by worship. The passage is explained through the act of worship. We're putting God first in our lives. What does it mean to put God first? It means to not be ashamed. What does it mean to put God first? It means I can enter in and stand in his presence. Coming out of the foyer. He's here. I'm getting in his presence and I'm going to stand. How do you put God first? Well, sometimes you'll cry. Sometimes you'll cry out. Sometimes you'll kiss him. Thank you, Lord. These passages explain that by worshiping, we're putting God first. When you worship, you're putting him first. Not just when you witness, but you must put him first. So the local church must welcome those who are coming out of the storm. Then we must worship because worship prepares us for the next phase. Then we receive the word. And after receiving the word, we should be so equipped that we witness and share the word with others. The four W's. Of our every week expression. Witness. I'm sorry. Welcome those who are coming in. And then we need to worship. And bow down and kneel before the Lord our maker. And then thirdly. We need to make sure that we receive a word from the Lord. And worship 
prepares you to receive the word. In your worship, in your worship, you're putting God first. And then you witness, you take what you've learned to someone else. Here's another passage out of Isaiah 29 and 13. Therefore the Lord said, I love this. In so much as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but I have removed their hearts, but have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. I need to read that again because people think that because we speak, we're all right with God. But we can step into a moment or pray a place where worship becomes mundane. And uh, we got to watch that. It can become mundane and casual. I think I used up there when we first started here, I used the term, it can morph into a vague encounter. Well, what God is looking for is fresh, a fresh, vibrant, and dynamic expression to him for the purpose of preparing our hearts and our ears to hear from him. In as much as these people, verse 13, chapter 29, draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. The true condition of the true New Testament worship experience in many local churches around the country and the world, we have it down, but we removed our hearts from the Lord. Look at this, and their fear toward me is taught only by commandments. Well, you better wear that white dress and you better make sure you put on no makeup and you better make sure you do this, that, and the other and line up. But it's the commandments of men and not a genuine connection with God. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Here we see a difference between worshiping by human rules as opposed to worshiping from the heart. To worship by human rules. And I do have and believe in order here. But you can also worship without having your heart involved. Atlantic Star said, if your heart isn't in it, why didn't you tell me so? If your heart wasn't with it, I would be gone long ago. Even the natural world understands that if your heart isn't in it, it's something is missing. Good God from Zion. So put your heart in it. You don't have to leave. Just put your heart in it. You don't have to be excluded or isolated, but put your heart in it. God is looking for hearts. Ah, and hearts are homes. Who I'm preaching. Hearts have chambers. Hearts have rooms. Give every room to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Here we see the difference between worshiping God spiritually and in truth. And then you have strict, strict commandments. that really doesn't show the heart of the Lord. In John chapter 4, the scripture is going to tell us that we, we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. 
Not just by command. You better praise him. You better praise. No, that's not what he wants. He wants a willing heart. John 4 and 21. I'm coming right out of the text. The Bible says in the last days they will not endure sound doctrine. They want to heap up people that don't read any scripture and start talking about stuff that means nothing to God. Jesus said to her in verse 21, chapter 4, talking about the woman at the well. The woman who wasn't satisfied. The woman who went from man to man but never found the man to change her life. The woman who came to draw but she needed water herself and didn't know it. The woman that didn't know that she would become an evangelist to transform Samaria. The woman who's in the face of the man that's going to change her life and didn't recognize it. Like many of us can be in the proximity of a new move and we're still looking at natural things. Uh, we're still trying to assess it based on our training and our experience but God wants you to see beyond the status quo and lift up your eyes beyond the hills from which comes your help your help comes from the Lord preach Merton Clark uh, be instant in season and out of season uh, preach anyway it doesn't matter if they're not in the sanctuary preach anyway uh, I want you to preach I want you to bring a large parcel and I want you to lay it down on just a few people because I don't want you to judge the crowd to see how well you should preach if there's one uh, if there's one leave the 99 and get the one that's the heart of God I don't know who I'm preaching to today but I believe we're coming back to the heart of worship and if we can get one we may catch on fire here at Truth Review glory to God and in John chapter 4 and verse 21 Jesus said to the woman believe me the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ah. Now we're talking about a Sumerian woman who is in the Greek and in the Hebrew called a half-breed. Interracial. And if you know anything about the Jews, they don't believe in interracial relationships or mixing the races. But notice Jesus has a heart for the interracial or the half-breeds, or the ones that's cast out, or the ones that messed up hard, or the ones who die hard, or the ones who weren't even raised up in the church, excluded from the house of God. The Bible says this woman, because she couldn't enter into the sanctuary or the tabernacle in Jerusalem, notice when Jesus was with his disciples, you need to read chapter 4 of John, he said to his disciples, I must need go through Samaria. I'm glad God can be going in one direction, but when he see a need over there, he'll change course to come to you. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but the spirit of God told me to tell you he will manipulate his leader to change course to go after you because you're so far away. But God says, I must need go through Samaria. Because there's a woman there. And she don't have the right pedigree. And she wasn't raised right. And she's not thinking right. But she got a heart. And if you give her the truth, she'll shift. Help me to preach, oh Holy Ghost. Notice the word. Jesus said to the woman, Believe me, the hour is coming 
when we will not worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem we won't worship the father but look at verse 22 you worship what you do not know people are looking at facilities and they're looking at platforms and they got lights and they got camera in action and a lot of people are attracted to it but you got to be able to worship hallelujah even if it looks like a bread or unleavened bread that which is not lovely to the eyes that which doesn't doesn't grow and swell it has no yeast in it yet it's everything you need full of nurturance full of substance full of substance and God wants you to taste and see that he is good not from the wonder but for the un, from the unleavened bread, can the church say amen? You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. In other words, your worship is incomplete unless you have an object of worship. I like verse 23, but the hour is coming, and now is. I'm here to declare that the hour is coming, there's something coming. I can hear the train coming down the tracks. And if you give God due praise during this month, you're going to see that which is coming also shift and become what we call now is. So that which is coming is now is. You're going to get to a point where you're going to say, I believe God was doing that, but I'm in the midst of the shift and I'm in the midst of the transition. I see what God has been trying to get to me for a long time. The hour is coming prophetically and now is. And when you start worshiping God, he'll start blending seasons. Hallelujah. You'll have the worst of times, but some way, somehow, you'll have the best of times. You'll, you'll see a barrenness in whenever one place, and all of a sudden an oasis is growing over there. Don't run from the place. Hallelujah. Let God be God. Because the hour is coming and now is. Look at the scripture. When true worshipers, not fake worshipers, not fancied worshipers, but true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Notice this. For the Father is looking for them. He's seeking for them. They're not a dime a dozen. They're one in a million. Glory to God. God is searching and seeking for true worship. And that is, you don't have to be beautiful. But you have a heart for him, willing to lay prostrate before, prostrate before the Lord. True worshipers will worship him in spirit. That is, your heart is going to be involved. Holy Ghost will connect with it and show you the object of your praise and worship. And in truth, it will be according to the word of God. Glory to God. Look at verse 24. God is spirit. And they that worship him, those who worship him, must. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Because God is a spirit. And so most of the stuff that get people to praise doesn't touch God. Because God is spirit. So where are you? If God is here, do you see him? No, you have to use your faith. You have to use your faith. And if you use your faith, you won't see half of the stuff that goes on the stage. Because the stage is supposed to prep you for the next experience. 
or a true experience with God. There's a great importance placed on our worship. Say with me, worship is important. I actually said there's a great importance, import, importance placed on our worship. The devil himself knew this. Satan knows how important it is. That's why he wants all of us late for the worship experience. I get about 15 out there. Well, I got you tags nagged and bad. You didn't worship God. That means you didn't talk to him. And because you didn't talk to him, there's a big gap. The devil himself knew that worship plays a major, a great importance in our standing with God. That's what he did when he tempted Jesus. His final temptation for Jesus is, I need you to worship me. I need you to bow down and listen. I need you to bow down and worship me. I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the world. If you'll just give me a little bit of that. He loves it. He desires it. He covets it. He didn't care if you know it or you don't know it. You could be by accident. He loves it. He especially loves those who are worshiping him. This is the devil now. Even they don't know it. They love physical things more than they love God. They're worshiping the devil. They love to live in the realm of aggravation. That's worshiping the devil. They love to get lost in the fog. The fog of offense. That's worshiping the devil. Versus getting lost in the fog or the favor of God. What is worship? What we worship is who we are. And what we will follow. What we worship is who and what we will follow. If you worship God, it's not hard to get you to follow God. People that struggle with their following of God, I'm telling you right now, the worship is out of place. Because when you start worshiping him, you comply. Glory to God. Remember Worship goes beyond warm words and even feelings. It's an act of laying prostrate. You have to change your physical stature. I'm sorry, your physical um, posture when you worship God. Worship requires a lifting of the hands. Praise does too. But a lifting of the hands and then also a kneeling. Let us worship and bow down. Not only physically, but inwardly. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Prostate, face down. Let us do it. Do it at home. It won't be hard to bring that to the house of the Lord. Worship is the foundation of our true servanthood toward the Lord. Please write that down. It is the foundation of servanthood. And so those who worship, it is easier for them to work in ministry. Because you develop a servant's heart, not a ruling leader, but a servant leader. And servant leaders must worship God in spirit and in truth. It's easier to work with people. If you say as a leader here, it's my way or the highway, that is, I can tell you're not a worshiper. Because the worship says, the work will wake you up, the kind of leader that says, let's work, let's work together. 
One can chase a thousand. If I miss you, then we're missing something. We, can, we need to recover one another. Glory to God. Glory to God. People who are mean, they're not worshipers. God will change your temperament and your disposition when you get in his presence. And he'll tell you you need to repent. Not just them, he'll say it to you. It is the foundation of our true servanthood towards God. Therefore, worship is so intimate. It defines our relationship with God. No worship, no definite, no distinction of our relationship. It is the worship that pins or reveals the distinction of our relationship with God. Notice, Jesus was so moved by the woman, the sinner who worshiped. He said, when you preach the gospel, mention her. It's to mess up the whole religious sect. The whole relig the, he comes to a Pharisee's house who they're just real proud. The girl saw that he can go to, the glory can come to a Pharisee. Obviously the man was changing. Jesus ate with the man. She said, oh, he's there? Whoa. He's not just a church goer. He's not just a, a collar and a chain. He's not just a bishop. He's not just a woman of God. He's not just uh, oh, a man of God. It's not just religion. It's not just a woman of God or a man of God. But he's a person that loves people. Can take off the ring, the chain, the Jerry Curls, the Stacy Adams. <laughs> and eat out of Pharisee's house. She said, I got to get in there to see the master. Didn't just come, but she stood. I'm not supposed to be standing. I'm in his presence. Boom. He didn't rebuke me. I'm so sorry for all of my sins. She starts crying. So much so that she's able to wet his feet, took her hair, and dried it with her hair. I wish somebody can do that on a movie to show you what it looks like. Because some of us are way too proud to go to the Pharisee's house or to offer God a morsel. What pleases God? What would God eat? He eats worship. If there's anything he consumes, he even inhabits the praises of his people. It is when we worship him. This girl demonstrates total abandonment, undignified praise, smearing her face with dirt. Her hair is dirty. She's got it in her hair, but she don't care. Just totally liquidated before the Lord. And then she opens up an expensive box of flax and smears it on his feet. Judas, also tied with Balil, also tied with Cain, also tied with, with, with Ahithophel, also tied with Legion, also tied with Lucifer. Sitting there, rebuking him. 
this woman is wasting stuff. Jesus said, you got the wrong spirit with your religious. So you're more religious than this Pharisee. The woman is entering into another dimension. Last point, this. There is nothing on earth. There is nothing in our lives that's more important than our relationship with our God. And if you believe that, say amen. Worship the Lord. When you come to church the next time, carve out a space for God. If you're on the internet, stop having distractions. Really focus now and begin to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Maybe there's something that's come between you and the God in the Lord, and maybe the enemy. It's come against you like a flood. Maybe you feel like a sinner. I think I've shown through the scripture, God is not intimidated with your stain. He can heal it. And that stain on your personality can be covered. He can even make it white as snow. Though it is red like crimson, it shall be as wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I want you to make a personal commitment. I'm going to pray in a moment. A personal commitment to get back to the heart of worship. And God is going to bless you. He told me to pronounce it July Jamboree. This is the month to give him glory. Don't slack on it. This is the time to give him praise. And watch things shift. Watch things shift for you. This is so tangible. I believe his promise is yea and amen. You're going to see it. People are going to have miracles, signs and wonders. They're going to say what the Lord has done in their lives. How he restored relationships or what he's done in the private sector. I believe he's even moving now. So Holy Spirit, we release you. We release you in the hidden places of our heart. We release you into the web, the webs, the corners that have been neglected. When we see webs, we see a network of a creature called the spider. And sometimes we want to take down the webs to make our house clean, but it will never be truly clean until we catch the spider. So it is my prayer, Holy Spirit, that we release the, the, web, the web makers. That thing that secretly cast out silk. Which naturally looks pretty. But as it relates to wor worship, it is foggy. And contaminated. And I pray now that there will be a snatching of the spider in our lives. That distortion. Distortion that's in the atmosphere. And I thank you God that a pure breeze is going to blow. I thank you for sons and daughters returning back to the heart of worship. Father, as the prophet, I speak now and I call back from the north, the south, the east and the west. I keep seeing New York. Father, I thank you that New York is reverberating in worship. The major cities, the metropolitan, northern metropolitan cities are shaking by the worship. 
our southern cities, Father, are being shaken in the name of the Lord. Touch Surfside in Jesus' name. The grief that's there. Thank you, God, for healing hearts. Let there be a cry among the Jewish people and those who are hurting right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, walk among the rubble and begin to lift up heads. Father, this is hurricane season. I'm praying for protection of this land. I'm sending a praise now in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to protect the land. Protect your people. Distort the eye of the hurricane. Let the eye of the hurricane, the very symbol of its fierce winds, distort it, Father. Warp it in the name of the Lord. I pray that our worship would be so powerful that it would change the status quo in the second heaven. I pray that our worship would be so exact and that you would have a, uh, your way in our services, Father, that even the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness of this age, the spiritual wickedness in our places would have to bow as well. Thank you that the underworld recognizes who you are. And that the underworld trembles at the sound of your name. And that the underworld, hallelujah, must bow and back up when we are anointed. Thank you, Lord, as we worship. Thank you for that next level, that anointing, Lord, that makes our task bearable. The kind of anointing that does not allow the viathon to come in and distort what we're trying to say. Father, I give you praise that the house will be warm now. Drive out the coldness, Father, because of the lack of fellowship. Let the worship, hallelujah, warm the house. I decree and declare an incubator in the house of the Lord. An incubator where babies will feel comfortable and warm in the house. Even those new believers will feel comfortable in the incubator of the house of the Lord. Those who lack fellowship were able to be warmed by the fire. So I thank you, Jesus, for a new, brand new, fresh relationship with you. And I give you glory for what you're doing, even in the preaching moment. When there's a sizable word, I thank you, God, that you touch a sizable problem and you give us a magnificent harvest. Let it be so. I decree it and declare it in Jesus' name. And I declare that it is done. In Jesus' name we pray. Let believers join with me by giving God a praise. Clap your hands and give him the glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.